Blog Talk Radio. Introducing in the red corner, American Tennis! And introducing in the blue corner, your host for American Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy! Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And hello, once again, this is Coach Chuck Creasy. Uh, it's another week of American tennis. And uh, folks, we're right in the thick of things with the collegiate season and lots of junior tournaments getting cranked up. And uh, I'm hoping we get some good pro events on TV here pretty soon to get us excited about Wimbledon French Open coming. But uh, anyhow, it's that springtime year. Spring has sprung, the grass is riz. I wonder where my tennis racket is. Actually, my typing teacher in high school, sorry, I can't take credit for that one. My typing teacher used to say, I wonder where my tab key is. But anyhow, uh, it's good to have a little bit of spring weather. Just I, I've always kept my guys outside to practice over the years in the wind and the nasty elements. Even when, we had, when I had very nice indoor facility at uh, – Clemson, I was always trying to juggle for how to uh, train them in the crummy weather. Do you go inside or not? And always I would do this. I'd do drill work inside so they could get hit in a pretty nice ball and you work on your shot making. But I would always, if it's a crummy, windy day, you play, you compete outside. And uh, you don't (laughs) – it's hard to do drill work and get the work done you want – in the wind, but boy, oh boy, can you learn how to play good tennis, tough tennis, smart tennis, and figuring out how to win in the wind. I always used to like those Florida kids uh, that grew up in Florida and the west and the windy elements, or those kids out in Kansas, or those kids where it's just, you know, springtime in the Midwest there where those old wind screens are just up and flapping like a kite and you go out to play and you say oh my gosh I know we got to practice today but man it's not going to be fun on those days you compete you figure out how to compete and on uh, the very nice days you do drill work so anyhow it got me thinking about um, our topic today and uh, you know I had a coach just this last week say to me 
oh my golly, we've had never had more information on the internet and great coaches and people putting their two cents forward and giving us those pathways uh, that they like to talk about with the USTA, the pathway, that magical pathway. Now, you know what? We Again, we want expressways and highways. We want your way. We want you to figure out uh, as a youngster, as a coach, as a parent, as a teacher, you figure out how to get your kids down the road and tackle those goals out in front of them. USTA, you guys would have much better success if you just gave us goals and benchmarks and said, go get them, guys, and cut loose that American ingenuity and American creativity and that American hunger. The more you give people, the less hungrier they are. That's just a fact of life. And uh, if you want to be good in this tennis world, I've heard, I heard a wise man once tell me that I work for you got to have the stomach to travel and the stomach to lose. But you better have the hunger of an inquisitive mind, too, and the hungriest dog will get the freshest meat. And you, um, A good friend of mine, Robert Davis, who's been in Asia now for about 20 years coaching a professional tour, he used to say the hungry man knows, needs no stale uh, bread, but meat, uh, sees no stale bread, but he also said you got to be hungrier than a starving dog looking at a meat truck. And so basically this is a hard sport. So where are we missing the boat? Where are we missing the boat? And um, I'm Coach Chuck Creasy. Um, I'm going to do the commercial first today. And um, this is American Tennis. Look, thanks to uh, Jason Haynes and Please, everybody, keep his son uh, in uh, in your prayers, and uh, thank you for starting the Your Tennis Network some five years ago, and, and what a fantastic uh, thing it has been. Also, J.P. Weber for the Yellow Ball Network that now owns the Your Tennis Network, and thank you, J.P. Weber, for uh, your entrepreneurship, and one of the more brilliant tennis minds out there, folks, if you ever get a chance to meet J.P. or uh, now, the guy's opinionated, but most great people are out there, and uh, he's a great one. So, uh, you know, tune into his stuff as well. On uh, Wednesdays, we have my program, but on Tuesdays, Lisa Stone's Parenting Aces at noon, and then also Coach John Denise on Thursday at 5.30. You know, he's uh, got a new format. He basically has four coaches on in a rotation, uh, the great Alan Fox, great coach. I think it's coach John Murray. And I'm trying to think who was the uh, third coach. And I apologize coach to you. If you're listening today, I've got to uh, make sure I listen to all the programs and I'm uh, fortunate enough to be on there once a week as well. So thank you, your tennis network and yellow ball network. And also Folks, I wanted to remind you, my website is chuckcreasy.net for my camps, my books, my writings, my opinions, and all that stuff. And I've got to get after writing more. I'm going to in the process of writing some articles right now. The chief one is on mentoring and how important a three-tier mentoring program is. And look for that sometime here in, in the future. Um, and and uh, there's just much more to talk about. And, of course, we get into politics each week, but I've been asked to uh, make sure you do the instructional series, too. So we're going to do that today, and we're going to be right back after this commercial. 
This is Coach J.P. Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. In, in my 30 years' experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at ChuckCreasy.net. That's ChuckCreasy.net. Some uh, changes there, but 
we're getting a lot of people at the 80% point, but what do we need to do to get over the hump? And I told my friend, I said, look, we do a great job with the technical and the tactical and even the mental training. It's all out there. The information is out there. There's two things, though. The Again, the players need to be heavier, hungrier than starving dogs looking at a meat truck. They need to be hungry for the information and seeking the information and working for mastery much more than they do success. And that's just human nature to get lazy once you think you've arrived. The problem is the destinations that we have set up for the kids or the bar is being lowered so much that uh, it just takes a lot. When you, when you have all the best role models uh, and that's the bar, uh, that's one thing. Kids will figure out how to go get it. But our, we've slipped so far in the last 15, 16 years that uh, I'm, I'm wondering if the role models will even – it, it just they're not going to inspire. I don't see the hard, hard workers out there and the people who are respecting the game. We got we got a lot of Hollywood and showboat stuff, but I, I don't see – I don't see the grit that you really need. Uh, that came really – to be quite truthful – with the Harry Hopman era of the late 60s and the 70s in this country, uh, the Harry Hopman era, that really impacted our our country in a, in a great way. But my t- I talked to the coach. I said, you know, really what, where we mess up is scheduling. And uh, I want to talk in two, two, um, two separate categories of scheduling. I'd like to talk, first of all, with uh, how to – schedule your practices because practices I think there's so many elements to this game there's so many elements that to a couple things we all know that people like to practice things they're good at and the saying is that people are usually down on what they're not up to in other words they don't like to practice their weaknesses but everybody has strengths. Everybody hates, has weaknesses. Any strength taken to an extreme becomes a weakness. The paradox is that our strengths are often our weaknesses, and our weaknesses are often our strengths. Now, you're going to have to chew on that one, folks, but it's very, very true in the game of tennis. But we do have strengths and weaknesses. The question always comes to me as a coach is, what do you work on the most? Do you work on weaknesses? Do you work on strengths? Well, you know, both of them are really, really important, but is it more important to have no weaknesses or to have strengths? And uh, the great coach Ned Caswell, who has uh, been a college coach uh, and just one of the, the top, I don't want to say overachievers, just a great athlete who got to the semifinals in NCAA, upset many players when he was being coached by the great Paul Scarpa, but Ned, one of the greatest competitors of college tennis ever, I heard him do a seminar about two years ago at J.P. Weber's, actually, and J. Coach J.P. had him in, and he said, you know, if you've got two people fighting and one player, one person, one warrior has two uh, four-foot swords and then one has a five-foot sword and a three-foot sword, which one's going to win? And almost everyone in the crowd said, the five and the three, and and pretty much that's true. If you have to make a choice between strengths and weaknesses, you go toward building a strength and try to do your best uh, work on your weaknesses, but that's not the game changer. The game changer is always your strength. 
So if you're a good athlete and you have a good serve, you learn how to get uh, become a dominant serving player, and you learn how to play great offense. And if you're a five foot four runner and you you really are a crafty guy, uh, you know work. Yeah, yeah, the serve's important and attacking is important, but get great at counter punching and grinding. And your weapon is your speed, but you have to identify what your weapon might be. Otherwise, if you have no weapons, you become what we call a tweener. A tweener. So, want to talk about strengths and weaknesses. Do you work on weaknesses? Absolutely, every day of your life. When do you work on them? You do those at the first part of practice. Always the boring stuff when you first get to practice. You work on your weapons at the end of practice. So you go away with a uh, your shoulders back, your head up, and feeling very, very good about your tennis game. But let's talk about practices first in our in our scheduling. First of all, if you want to be a tennis player, you got to play two times a day. Yeah, I'm telling you, twice a day in your developmental stages, especially from ages. 13, 14 to about 19, 20. In there, you need to play twice a day, three to four days a week for sure. But now I'm not saying you got to play eight hours in both of those sessions. It's not about the time. It's about the breaking up the sessions so that your mind takes this game in a little at a time and in pieces. But let me let's let's talk about that. In the morning, uh, you know, I always took my math classes first, 8 a.m. Four years in college, I had a math class at 8 a.m. and hated it much. Hated it much. What kind of English is that? Well, it's good that I'm talking about math, I guess. Hated it a lot. So you do the dirty work first. I would get that math class done and say, wow, that's – and with my children – I do the same thing. I tell them, take your math early. Take the things that are hardest early. Um, a good friend of mine in coaching said that uh, they they weren't didn't have a pro, and they were losing a lot. And he said, I just got tired of losing. And he said, I and it was a dramatic turnaround when he was about age 15. And I said, well, what did you do for that turnaround? He said, you know, I just started getting up. 45 minutes early, and I either went running, every other day I went running, every other day I went into the basement and I either did jump ropes, footwork, or I had this little rebound place off of the wall. I worked just on my volleys. But I got up every morning, and he said this, it's very good. He said, it's like brushing your teeth. You can't wait till the last day of the month and brush your teeth 30 times. You do it a little bit, little bit every day, and it adds up, and the law of exponential growth starts to work in your game. So twice a day for scheduling practices, just a first practice only needs to be 30, 45 minutes or an hour. But you need to back it up, and, and again, it should be boring stuff, technical stuff, work on your weakness. Just pick out something, but it gives you a mindset of getting the work, some work done. And then you come back later in the day and you don't feel so rushed and you don't feel so uh, frantic to try to get everything done. It's it's very critical that first practice really is is a critical thing. 
Now, in the afternoon, this is quite important. No clock on skill acquisition. Do you hear me? No clock on skill acquisition. Thomas Edison never had a watch, stopwatch, clock, or a timing device in his laboratory because learning is more like a centrifugal sport force that happens or momentum force that happens like a gyroscope. You must build up the engine of creativity and learning to where it, it is not like a light switch that you switch on. Oh, time to try. Whoop, time to be done. Whoop, time to try. Whoop, time to be done. And think of how we take lessons for a half hour or think of how we do our practices always. And, and that's the thing that is really upsetting about college tennis right now. They got us on a clock all the time. Creativity and uh, learning is not a clock in, clock out endeavor. There is a bit of uh, centrifugal force and about a bit of momentum that has to happen uh, as you go. And as a coach for years and years and years before we had so many rules and regulations put on us, and they would call it protection. You know, the people who put the rules and regulations put protection of the student-athlete. No, it's regulations. But when you put regulations on people, you put the handcuffs on them for their creativity, and guess what happens is they feel like they're on a clock. Let's go get it done. Instead of, wow, here we are, and let's work on trying to get skill acquisition. Let's work more mastery. Um, instead, they work, make, they force you to work for success instead of mastery now. So this is an important thing. In earlier years, I mean, I can remember getting toward dinner time, and, you know, this is, I'm saying, the 70s and early 80s, uh, before they put so many regulations on college tennis. I could uh, tell my manager, whoop, doesn't look good today, guys. Manager, go up and get five pizzas up there. We're going to be here for a while. Let's get these backhands right. Let's get this done. Let's figure it out. So you give you guys a break and come back. You know, when you work on skill acquisition instead of a clock, you get better in a hurry. So morning, do boring stuff. Afternoons, in the afternoons, you know, uh, people ask me, do you write up your practices five days in advance, ten days in advance, three weeks in advance, a month in advance? I used to keep a log in my early days of every practice I did, and I wanted to be just like Johnny Wooden and write them up, but I've done it for so many years now that uh, really I, I pick what we need and who needs what. And some players need certain some players need some more drill work that day. Some people need competing. But basically, uh, it falls into different categories of technical work, tactical work, competitive competitive uh, competitive situation, work on strengths, work on weaknesses. Those that's technical, really, usually. And then fitness. So. It depends on what you need. Fitness is part of every day. This is a running sport. A player asked me recently, Coach, you're not letting me in the lineup because I don't run well. I said, well, you know, I, son, I, it's a running sport. I mean, it's if you don't run well, you don't win a lot. There's a reason why uh, the young man misses so much when he's in a bad position. He, 
can't run well. He, you know, and, and it's 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 that simple. So uh, in the afternoon, usually I do what the players need. I'm not telling you not to plan. That's just the way my mind works. I have a good feel for what the players need. I have set up courts, though, at our complex. First exchange uh, in this division, first exchange courts, which means serves and returns. And I've got that ball machine going all day long for them to work on returns and work on their serves, and I've got the serving thing. Then I've got a tempo court where we work on tempo tennis and things that I've done for years so to teach my guys to play fast and be able to work on their footwork and recovery steps and do all those things that they need to do. And uh, then I've got uh, drill courts and shot selection court. Um, and, you know, in the drill court, I usually have my my assistant doing two-on-ones with the players and just tough where they hit repetition, 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 repetition. Those are the four most important things that you need to be good in this sport. And I don't need to repeat it, I don't think. But uh, those are the four most important things uh, that, that you have to have. And then I have three or four courts always set up for competition. And usually I have some type of competition every day. I never let the players go home without competing. It might be tiebreakers. It might be up and down, up and down, up downs, as they call them. When you move up, you lose, you go down. It might be bullpen tennis where you have, say, you have four courts going to nine people. You have one person out, and the person who wins something first is bullpen and uh, there's somebody constantly working towards different goals, whether it's learning to play tiebreakers, learning how to uh, uh, just different situ- different situ- tactical situations, become a quick pressure player, delayed pressure, uh, conversion sets, which means you got to win three in a row, momentum control things, issues. But I use a competition every every day. So, folks, scheduling practice, that pretty much is it. And, listen, running is part of this, and you run every day. Now, if somebody's legs start to get weary, like right now we're in a three-day break. I give the guys middle of the well, – actually, they're going to get four days off, nothing. I don't want them playing tennis. you got to wring the sponge out because we're going to hit a stretch where they're going to need their mind. Their bodies are good to go, but it's a lot the mental rest that players need, and you need to gauge that. Again, you're not on a clock. You're not on a formula. This is very, very important analogy now. You might have the ingredients and the recipes to be the best chef in the world. But there's a couple things you need to do. Number one, number one is with those ingredients, you better know what order to put them in. And you better know what you're trying to cook and you better know how long to cook it and how long not to cook it. And you might follow those recipes, and you might have it 90% right. But when grandma or mama comes into the kitchen and she uses the recipe, and she's done it hundreds of times, you go, whoa, there was something special there going on because she knew the ingredients to use, the time to put them in a pan, how long to cook them, how long to mix them, how much to stir them. And you know what? She knew exactly, exactly what the outcome was going to be before she even went after it. So, um, you know, it it takes 
a lot of planning to do that. And uh, but the thing is, it, folks, I cannot overemphasize. Use your gut on this stuff as well. So that's about uh, the coaching uh, situation at practice. Now, match day. Let let me explain this, and I, I'm going to uh, give you a quick run through uh, in the short time that we have left. If you want success in your tournaments, remember you must make a one-year plan, a one-year plan, and never adjust it based on gut, just on knee-jerk, and uh, reacting to having one good result or another. I'm going to give you a formula here. And if, you, if this will help you a lot, I've got sitting in front of me right now what looks like a clock, but instead of 12, I got January. Instead of one, I got February. Instead of two o'clock, I have uh, March. Instead of three o'clock, I got April. So you understand I've got the 12 months of the year instead of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 on the clock. This is a one year plan. What I have players do, and when I talk to parents, I will have them put four or no more ever, ever, ever than five times a year you want to peak. For young kids, you can do it a little bit different. For more experienced players, you can do it in a certain way, but never more than four or five periods that you want to uh, peak. Now, let's look at your your youngsters might have, let's say, in uh, mid-March, they have the spring nationals. And then in June, they have their state qualifier, their uh, regional qualifier, and their national clay courts. And then in August, they have the national hard courts. And then in November, they have a fall or winter nationals or something like that. Let's just say those are the four timetables. For professional players, they might have five periods to four Grand Slam and then maybe with a Masters or something. But in each one of those time periods, you need to have a segment cut out of five or six weeks. So here's the way it goes. You're coming off of a rest period. I make a vertical line for this. A horse, excuse me, a horizontal line. That's side to side. A horizontal straight line, and I put first rest Rest period over, and I put train. Now, in the training, you go from usually 10 days to two weeks, 10 days to two weeks to get ready for competition. You might do drill work and a lot of repetitions to get the game rolling, and then toward the after about seven or eight days, you go into match play. This is very, very important. Do not play with players who are only better than yourself during this time coming off the rest. Get reps in winning. There is no bad win in tennis. Get reps in winning. Get reps in winning, and there's a big, big reason for that. If you play people better than you, do not do it more than once. Kids do not learn how to win by losing. When you play players better than you, all you learn how to do is bring your ball striking up, but you don't learn how to win. It's very important to have that one-third level that is below. The, it's a third, a third, a third. A third of the time you need to win. third of the time you're, is your level. And a third of the time you get your brains beat out or you get beat up and you see the level you're trying to go to. But now listen, on the 
type of tournaments you have after your training. So you have your rest period, your training period, then you go into your tournaments. You always go to a tournament. It could be the Little Sisters of the Poor. It could be the Mother Teresa, uh, Girl Scout Cookie, um, YMCA Open. It doesn't matter. There is no bad win in tennis, but that first event coming off a rest, make sure the kid, your youngster has success. The second event right after that is usually one where you are challenged pretty good. And the third event, listen now, the third event is the one you're challenged, but you're supposed to win. Um, in other words, you in the perfect tournament, in a perfect tournament, the first two, let's say it's a 32 draw. Uh, a 64 draw, 64 draw. The first two rounds until the round of 16, the round of 64 and the round of 32 should be matches. You're better than the other player. The round of 16 and the round of eight should be matches that you're equal to that player. And the semis and the finals should be players who are better than you and your chance to make a jump. That is your level. That's why I love tournament tennis. So much more than dual match tennis in college, for colleges or high school because the first two rounds you get the matches below, the second two rounds you get the matches that are your level, and finally you get a chance to step up and if you do it you can make a huge jump or your player can make a huge jump in just one weekend and that's why tournament tennis is so important. So let's get back again to five uh, competition here as you train, you rest, then you win. Make sure you win. Then you're challenged with the tournament that's your level. Then you go to the big, big old tournament, the big uh, show, whether it's the, your regional close, the national, a grand slam, whatever it is. Now, lastly, and this is where a lot of people mess up. Always schedule a week tournament at the end of that Grand Slam event or whatever. Always go. And the only way you do not take that last tournament off is if you win or if you do great, if you make the quarterfinals of Wimbledon or a Grand Slam event or the Southern Closed or a National Open, and you really achieved great then you don't have to play that last event because we want you then to sit on your achievement and to soak it in and go to your rest period with grown and known, grown and known, known and grown, or I don't know how that sounds, but the strength you get from winning, the strength that you get from winning, you go to your rest period with that. Now, if you go to that big event and you get smacked, you always play that last event, try to carry a trophy home. There's no bad win in tennis. Then you go to your rest period. So you do that four times a year or five times a year, and it's based on your whoever your, where your youngster is at. So scheduling is the way that people mess their careers up. There's a lot of very good players that uh, – just schedule poorly, and uh, you, it's not. And here's what happens: your youngster pops up and wins a tournament. And you say, "Oh, they've already conquered that. Let's go on to the bigger events. Let's play them up in age division." 
That's the worst thing you could do because your youngster then goes up and gets smacked because they don't have to win. And guess what? They did not lock in their victory. If they get a victory, they got to lock it in. And it, that's I'm very big at there is no celebration till separation. In other words, you don't throw a party or think your youngster or you as a player do not ever believe that you have arrived until you consolidate your victory with another victory. And uh, that's the mistake. Parents do this wrong all the time. I cannot tell you the amount of uh, counseling sessions and, and conferences I've had with parents trying to tell them these things. They, you're a youngster, and you as a player, you are not in a race to see who can do something first, you are trying to do something the best for you. And you're trying to be comfortable at becoming, or you're trying to become comfortable at being uncomfortable. And uh, with, with scheduling, almost always the scheduling is done in a knee-jerk reaction. You In those five, four or five, uh, different periods, your youngster wins the first one, and you go, oh, we can move up now, and uh, you don't run up. Look, you can run up the steps, but you better control every step. Once you start skipping steps, you always have to go back. You will have a quick rise and a quick fall, and it takes a lot of masterful work with your youngster to get them back on the winning track and get to, to get their uh, career career. Uh, reestablished and why you why I always wonder do we have so much talent in this country that never comes to uh, maturity and never never develops it is a awful 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 thing as a coach for 47 years that I've been in this sport to watch the amount of talent that is just being washed away we waste so much talent, especially in colleges. It is awful what's happening in colleges, but the, it's usually it's because of the politics, and it's because of the the people who are running the ITA and, and these organizations do not understand player development. They're into marketing instead of player development. USTA has become a marketing program to a large extent instead of a developmental service organization. Again, we have wonderful people there, wonderful, but bureaucracies can't not do the work for you in top-down motivation or top-down management or top-down stimulation. It does not happen. It must come from the bottom up. We must must take the chains off and the governors off of the engine of creativity, innovation, hunger of our kids. This sport will fly on its own if we get the USTA and the ITA to get the heck out of the marketing business of our sport. That's not your job. Your job is to support. Give us the goals. Let us go after them. Tell us to take the hill. Don't tell. try to tell us how to take it. Coercive leadership, that falls flat on its face. Mandating things falls flat on its face. We don't care, even if you are smarter than us, ITA guys or USTA. We don't care. 
We, nobody, nobody cares if you guys look like you're smart just because you have a position that doesn't make you smart. We have so many number two people in number one positions now. It's it's awful. You know, we we need some great role models in there. We need folks. I hate to. Now I'm not going to go political about what we need, but you know by now I am for bottom up management. I am for the stimulation of the independent worker. I am for the innovation of that youngster who loves tennis and tries and trying to figure it out no matter where they are in the country, whether they're in uh, out in a small town, 20,000 people are in a big, big city. All they need to know is there's the goal, go get it. And uh, we just, we could not goof this up more if we keep trying to top down management. Scheduling is a big, big key. I hope that some of the this what what we went through today makes sense to you. You can email me at Chuck Creasy at Google. Uh, excuse me, Chuck Creasy at Gmail dot com. Chuck Creasy at Gmail dot com, and I'm always glad to answer your questions, folks. I've got uh, again go to my website at chuckcreasy.net and it has been great to uh, be with you this week look forward to it process of winning or losing every day of your life and it has very little to do with a win or a loss we'll see you next week opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions all information products and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only the UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.